Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Welcome again uh, to another in our series of interviews uh, with the experts uh, here at Mayo Clinic Rochester. Uh, I'm Malcolm Bell, I'm the Vice Chair for the uh, department, and I'm delighted to have again uh, back in the studio uh, Dr. Juan Crestanello, who is the Chief of Cardiovascular Surgery and a Professor of Surgery uh, here in Rochester. Uh, Welcome again, Juan. Thank you, Malcolm. Glad to be here. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, tricuspid uh, valve uh, regurgitation and a surgical approach to this. And it's often said, you know, this is the forgotten valve. I, I suspect we won't be forgetting about this uh, in, in the future. And maybe it was forgotten in the past, maybe for, for, for good reason, perhaps. But surgical techniques uh, have changed. Our whole approach to tricuspid regurgitation uh, seems to have taken on uh, you know, uh, a new energy, a new approach. So maybe I'll just start off asking, in your practice, uh, what do you see as the most common etiologies of uh, tricuspid valve regurgitation? The most common ideologies of tricuspid regurgitation in our practice are related to left-sided valve disease, pulmonary hypertension, and left ventricular dysfunction. We are st- starting to see an increased number of patients with isolated TR related to atrial fibrillation. And then organic TR uh, is not very prevalent in, in the overall population, but we see it very commonly in our practice. So we'll get back to uh, you know the pulmonary hypertension, LV dysfunction uh, a little later. But one of the things which I think we have all appreciated over you know, the last few decades is that uh, by the time many of these patients present with your know, clear-cut your know, tricuspid regurgitation, they've already got signs of advanced right heart failure, some end organ uh, damage. Tell us what you think the optimal timing is uh, for a surgical intervention on the tricuspid valve. And in a patient who does present late, is there a point where it's too late? Yeah, sure. Well, that's a, you, you stated that very well. Patients with tricuspid regurgitation are usually referred late uh, for surgery when they have evidence of right ventricular dysfunction or in organ dysfunction, such as liver dysfunction or renal failure. And at that time, the risk of the surgery is significantly increased and the benefits of the uh, surgery decreases. Therefore, patients with tricuspid valve disease should be referred early for surgery before the development of a in-organ dysfunction, such as liver failure or liver dysfunction, or, or kidney dysfunction, I'm sorry, and before the development of right ventricular dysfunction. So it is important to detect those patients early on and refer them for surgical treatment early. And how many of those patients uh, that you're just talking about detecting early would have isolated tricuspid valve regurgitation separate to you know, left-sided disease? Isolated tricuspid regurgitation in the setting of absence of left-sided heart disease or pulmonary hypertension is relatively rare, but it's an increasingly recognized a form of tricuspid regurgitation, and it's mostly related to chronic atrial fibrillation that mm-hmm. leads to massive dilatation of the left atrium as well as the annulus of the tricuspid valve, and that leads to tricuspid regurgitation. And those patients, in general, we treat them by doing an ablation procedure, restoring sinus rhythm, and if the tricuspid regurgitation persists, with repairing the tricuspid valve with a concomitant ablation, a surgical ablation. 
So you, you've touched on surgical risk. Um, maybe you could share with us what, what, what you consider to be the main determinants of surgical risk and, and what would be the operative mortality in patients, you know, such as you just, just described, a patient with atrial fibrillation that uh, uh, has associated tricuspid regurgitation, and then what would be the surgical risk in the patient you know, who presents with more advanced uh, you know, right heart failure uh, with symptoms and clinical signs? The, the major determinants of uh, surgical risk are the severity of the tricuspid regurgitation, the age of the patient, the presence of uh, comorbidities, the severity of the symptoms of uh, congestive heart failure, and the severity of the right ventricular dysfunction, as well as the presence of an organ dysfunction as a renal and liver dysfunction. So the, the operative mortality uh, across the country for patients who had isolated tricuspid valve surgery is high, it's 8%. And that's not because of the surgery, it is because of the late referral and the presence of comorbidities and physiological impairment that these patients have. What degree of right heart failure and, and organ dysfunction then leads you to make a determination that the risk of surgery is prohibitive. And I might also ask, is there a level of pulmonary hypertension you know, which you take into account when making those decisions? Well, it's, it's hard to tell to have a, a specific limits in, in which you say one patient is not a, a surgical a candidate, but those patients who had a extensive RV remodeling that has a very poor right ventricular function who are elderly, who has a renal a failure, they have liver failure with thrombocytopenia, a significant ascites, a portal hypertension, those type of patients with advanced end organ dysfunction associated with the TR is very difficult to pull them through a surgery safely. From a non-surgeon standpoint, you know, we, we often think of you know, LV dysfunction is you know, such a determinant of survival and uh, a, a risk for, for surgery. Often you know, forget about the right ventricle. And my understanding, at least in the past, has been that the right ventricle has also been very difficult to protect you know, during, during surgery. Are there better techniques now to uh, protect the right ventricle during open heart surgery? And, and is that important uh, to you uh, today? Well, certainly preserving right ventricular function in patients who already have some degree of an impairment of a right ventricular function is essential. So if we're doing an isolated tricuspid valve surgery, normally we do not cross clamp the heart. So we don't subject the heart to ischemia during the tricuspid valve repair or a replacement. And that tends to preserve the right ventricular function. However, all patients, once the, the tricuspid valve is made competent, has a, have some degree of deterioration of right ventricular dysfunction that adds to the underlying dysfunction that, they already, that the patient already has. We, we have to have some reserve of, of the right ventricle in such a way that once we make the tricuspid valve competent, we don't generate enough afterload mismatch of the with the right ventricle that we go into a situation of a right ventricular uh, dysfunction and cardiogenic shock so so you're in the operating room now so uh, as you approach this valve are, are you repairing it or replacing it what what is more favored today 
Well, repair versus replacement for, for any type of uh, tricuspid valve disease, the outcomes of repair are, are be better than replacement in terms of survival, the rate of reoperations, as well as the impact on the right ventricular function. So in general, if we can repair the valve, we favor uh, repairing the valve. And the predictors of uh, repair are related to the degree of annular dilatation, the degree of right ventricular dysfunction, as well as the degree of tethering of the leaflets, as well as the presence of leaflet pathology. But the first three, the annular dilatation, the degree of right ventricular uh, dilatation, and the degree of tethering, talks about how advanced the tricuspid valve disease and the right ventricular dysfunction is. We believe that as operating on patients early with less degree of annular dilatation, with less degree of RV dilatation and less degree of tethering allows for a higher percentage of valves to be repaired. And as a consequence, also that uh, leads to an improved outcome. And in those patients that you do have to replace the valve, what type of valve would you be recommending? Well, we normally recommend uh, tissue valves. We very rarely use mechanical valves, although mechanical valves are associated with a similar uh, rate of reoperations and, and lower rate of uh, tricuspid regurgitation recurrence than a bioprosthesis. They are associated with uh, substantial challenges with the need for anticoagulation and a risk of valve thrombosis and, and bleeding. In our practice, we only use mechanical valves in young patients who have need uh, for anticoagulation for other reasons, or who have mechanical valves in other positions, for example, in the mitral and the, in the aortic position. But we use them very rarely. In general, if we have to replace the valve, we replace them with a bioprosthesis. So we just get back to, you know, we, we talked about uh, left-sided disease and and obviously for the most part, we talk about uh, significant mitral valve disease, you know, whether it's mitral stenosis, but usually a uh, mitral regurgitation. In this patient, just tell us, just walk us through uh, how you then decide to treat the tricuspid regurgitation, which is, you know, often accompanies, you know, severe mitral valve uh, disease, but obviously there's various, you know, varying levels of severity uh, of the tricuspid regurgitation. Uh, so again, maybe just walk Walk us through how, what you decide, well, when uh, you decide to do tricuspid valve uh, repair at the time of uh, left-sided valve surgery. So, as you say, tricuspid regurgitation secondary to mitral valve disease is the most common type of TR. And more than half of the patients who have mitral valve disease has some degree of moderate or, or severe tricuspid regurgitation. And as the severity of the tricuspid regurgitation increases, the, the survival decreases. So what to do with the tricuspid valve disease at the time of mitral valve surgery? So we recommend for patients with moderate or severe TR to do concomitant tricuspid valve repair at the time of mitral valve surgery. For patients with trivial or mild to do nothing. And there's still significant controversy in those patients who have trivial or mild or mild TR, but they have a tricuspid annulus that is dilated and dilation means an annulus greater than 40 millimeters, what to do. The, the guidelines recommend to do concomitant tricuspid annuloplasty in those patients. However, in our practice, we have shown that there's really no the concomitant, there's no progression of TR on those patients 
either when the analysis size is analyzed as a continuous variable or as a categorical variable in terms of annular uh, diameters greater or smaller than, uh, than 40 millimeters. So in general, therefore, we don't recommend to perform a concomitant annuloplasty on patients with annular dilatation unless than moderate tricuspid regurgitation at the time of mitral valve surgery. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time here, but if I interpret what you've been sharing with us here is that you really are highlighting that we should be uh, intervening earlier in these patients, in general, those with uh, tricuspid regurgitation, and to really avoid waiting till they've really manifested you know, signs of your know, advanced right heart failure, just because of the uh, the risk. You know, even if they're not operated upon, I mean, obviously, you know, that that's a high mortality associated with those patients and, and poor quality of life. But the surgical risks uh, become uh, higher. Maybe what what message would you like to send to um, you know the cardiology community in terms of uh, you know detection of disease and working them up for uh, for earlier in surgical intervention? Well, just to uh, summarize that tricuspid regurgitation is uh, has significant impacts on the on the outcomes. It is undertreated, and when it's treated, it's uh, usually treated late. And we believe that early treatment will, is associated with a, a lower operative mortality, a higher rate of repair, and should lead to better uh, long-term survivals uh, as well as quality of life. And, and overall, the whole field of tricuspid uh, valve disease is a, is a great opportunity for cardiologists and, and surgeons to, to work together to really define the timing, the type of treatment, and the outcomes of patients with uh, tricuspid valve regurgitation. Well, Juan, uh, thank you so much. It's been a really uh, wonderful summary of uh, an important disease you know, from the surgical perspective. And thanks so much uh, for joining us uh, today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.